for joining us. I'm Charlotte Snyder, and I'm podcasting from the Bondec Montessori in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Today, we have a special interview with Zoe Paul from Studio Montessori and Sage Montessori, and we'll provide links to her site and her Instagram and social media in the blog post that will accompany this episode entitled Interview with Zoe Paul. Enjoy. So I'm joined today by Zoe. Zoe, welcome. How are you? Uh, Not bad. Thank you. Fantastic. So Zoe, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, Sure. I'm uh, originally from uh, Nigeria. That's where I was born, but we came to the States when I was a baby. I was about a year and a little bit old, um, and we moved around a lot growing up. Um, every year to two years, uh, we moved, whether internationally or within the States. Um, I spent about half my life, um, uh, I guess my formative years overseas, um, mainly in Europe and the other half in the States. Um, I went to college in uh, Washington, D.C. I graduated with a degree in French and Arabic. My goal was to be a translator slash interpreter for the United Nations. (laughs) And uh, instead, um, after graduating, I worked at a uh, Montessori school briefly. And and that's where I was introduced to the Montessori method. I was uh, hired to be a French teacher there and was just blown away by how disciplined the children were, how engaged they were. And they were young. Um, you know, all my students were lower elementary or um, preschoolers. And I just sat there going, if I had had this type of an education, I'd be a different person. <laughs> <laughs> but life being what it was, uh, I had to, um, I was only there for a short time. I uh, shortly afterwards ended up enlisting in the military to pay off my mountains of school debt. Mm -hmm. And so I was uh, in the army for four years. And then after that, I worked in tech for about 10 years, mainly in the Middle East um, because of my Arabic skills. And uh, let me see, there was a certain point, um, it's about 2010, I just got tired of the work I was doing and the type of people and interactions that I had to to deal with. And I said, I think now is time to actually go ahead and do my Montessori thing. <laughs> um, you know, up until then, I'd been waiting for the perfect time. And I realized, uh, you know, over 10 years after my initial Montessori experience, that there's no such thing as the perfect timing. And um, so I took the plunge and 2010, I signed up for Montessori training in San Diego. Um, I got uh, my diploma in zero to six uh, um, AMI Montessori education along with my master's degree. And I've been a Montessori um, teacher slash uh, uh, program manager ever since. (laughs) Wonderful. So it sounds like uh, similar to, to many people, you kind of stumbled into Montessori. Yeah, totally, totally. I thought I, I mean, I'm in my early 40s now. I thought I'd be, you know, a, a high-level conference interpreter <laughs> at the United Nations, um, you know, or at NATO, something like that. And here I am working with um, the youngest members of society, so. Yeah, still an interpreter of sorts. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
end of the spectrum. Exactly. Exactly. Wonderful. Whatever. It's kind of um, incredible. Not everybody, but so many of us who who come to Montessori didn't necessarily start out to be educators. Yeah. Um, we. Um, started out with a different background, um, or some of us did start out to be educators and um, often in the traditional system and then right. not really finding the right fit. Um, yeah. But so many of us don't have a background um, in education, but it's amazing. Yeah, I wasn't interested in education at yeah. all. Um, schooling had not served me or my personality well <laughs> growing mm -hmm. up, and it became very apparent in college. Um, so I, I had no desire whatsoever to um, be in school um, with children, uh, <laughs> um, lesson planning and dealing with attitudes and um, really just not meeting the needs of kids. I was one of those kids who always got like great grades, but that's because I was a really good memorizer. And um, memorizing comes really easy to me. You know, I hear something once, I usually can spit it back even a few days later, word for word. <laughs> And then I got to college where you actually, you know, you can't memorize, you know, 100 pages worth of reading from five classes. Um, you actually have to understand it. And yeah. that's where all the gaps in my understanding really began to show. So I went from being a great student to getting to college. And I think I graduated with like a C or a D. You graduated. That's the most important part. You're done. <laughs> you know, even that, if it wasn't for Montessori, I, I didn't even see the accomplishment in that. I was, you know, huh. I, as far as I was concerned I didn't get all A's so I failed <laughs> you know uh, who cares if you if you graduated um the fact of the matter is I didn't do well and um you know it was through Montessori I, I learned that you have to um failure is not failure these are just really learning opportunities and um you can build off of them but uh, that was something I wouldn't learn until you know 12 years later <laughs> yeah oh my gosh it's it's so huge um I find myself um finding that kind of sweet spot in between um, wanting to be um, like, I'm a perfectionist. Like I really like to be good at things, but yeah, I never so want to be done growing. And it's mm -hmm. this like, really difficult place. Cause it's like, you, you want to constantly have room for improvement and like, well, what could I have done better? But also right. wanting to be really, really good at things. Um, exactly. And it's such a thing of Montessori of um, you can um, you can have accomplished something and that's a that's an ending point but mm -hmm. also the beginning of a whole next series of work. Exactly. Right. Right. Absolutely. So um, you're not in San Diego. You're not internationally. Where are you <laughs> physically right now? Yeah, I'm in San Francisco right now. So I've been here. Um, this is the longest I've lived anywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been here um, in San Francisco for about uh, two and a half years. And then in the Bay Area, I've been here, I think, almost three or four years. And that's the longest I've lived anywhere. But even having lived here for two and a half years, I've moved <laughs> quite a bit. So yeah, that's been a, its own uh, interesting um, journey. But oh well. <laughs> Yeah. And so um, you, you started your own program. Yeah, yeah. I started it in, um, uh, let me see, I want to say 2015, end of mm -hmm. 2015. I'd had another not so great Montessori experience <laughs> at a school. And um, I finally just got the courage to start my, um, my own program. My first one uh, uh, was a failure. Um, so eight months after opening, I had to close it. <laughs> 
Um, and it was just outside of San Francisco. And then I rallied and decided to start again inside San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And this has gone much better, having taken the lessons learned from the first time. So absolutely, and yeah, such a such a learning experience. It's there's right. no um, there's no bad experiences as long as yeah. we learn from them. It's it's exactly. hard, or it didn't yeah. go the way it was intended. But it's not no, hard. no, not at all. And you always feel bad because you know, especially with the school situation, you're taking families along with you in this journey. They're people who are affected. Um, but uh, I. I was fortunate in that uh, the the families that I um, I had were really appreciative, but also understanding of, mm-hmm. of my um, situation and the mistakes I had made. Um, and um, a lot of them have been really great supporters ever since. You know, so um, for that, I'm really really grateful. Yeah, absolutely. So, what age group do you serve at your current school? Um, so, at my current school, I serve. Um, my youngest student right now just joined and he is I think three and a half months and then the oldest is maybe four or three and a half going on four yes I serve a young a very young group (laughs) yeah oh three and a half months uh when we before we started our toddler program we thought that the youngest two and a half year olds were little and then we started the toddler program it's like oh my goodness I know they're still babies at that point yeah (laughs) It's incredible. And you're you're growing. You have big news. You you shared on social media. Yeah, yeah. I um I will be opening a center. So right now I operate out of my home. Um uh I have an in-home preschool program. And in April, hopefully April, um there's a possibility it could be pushed out again, but hopefully (laughs) April, um, we'll be moving into a center in a commercial space. Um and there I'll be able to serve forty-two children. Wow, that's incredible. That's a huge step. Yeah, yeah, to say the least. It's been um quite the journey getting here, but um I'm grateful for um, how it's played out. And um, the, like I said, I've got great families um, that have been very supportive, um, both financially and um, and morally. Uh, I've got a great group of kids. Um, and San Francisco is just the kind of place where um, people like me can take a chance. <laughs> um, you know, and this entrepreneurial step and everybody understands what you're going through, you know. Absolutely. And um, so what are you, um, what are you excited about for this new physical space? Oh, um, so many things on different levels. On a personal level, it's going to be nice not to share my home with the school. <laughs> I'm going to miss it. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to miss it in one sense, but there'll be something about being able to step out on a weekend into the kitchen and living room and not see a school that needs to be arranged and be reminded of all the things that I haven't done yet or need to prepare. Um, I am looking forward to, you know, having the space to have the fully elaborated curriculum materials and um, classroom size. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen wonderful Montessori things, you know, uh, you know, all the great Montessori promises inside my um, classroom as is. Um, but there's just going to be something, I think, particularly special about it, um, you know, being at standard size. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to the next group of teachers I'll be working with. I've got a great team right now and um, we'll be adding a few more and, um, you know, 
getting them to see them in in the natural element, I guess, of the uh, Montessori um, philosophy. You know, again, not in so, so much a home environment, but an actual, you know, um, home for children. Yeah. <laughs> That's, only shared with children I think it's going to bring out um, other aspects of their personality and training that I don't get to see as much here um, yeah just a lot of things uh, watching it grow being able to um, you know see children go from you know I work mainly with the with the toddlers and the infants and watching them be able to grow into the um, primary program I think is um going to be amazing as well yeah wonderful and so um in in this new physical space uh will you serve the same age groups of kind of um infancy through the primary program yeah yeah for how long i don't know um because uh the infant toddler program is nowhere near (laughs) as profitable from a business perspective as it should be to be sustainable um but at least for the next two years we'll definitely have the infant toddler program um like i said that's the group that i um, primarily work with Mm -hmm. um although i do um i'm often with the you know in a home environment it's you know the kids just float in and out (laughs) they do they want to do and you work with them where they are um uh but yeah we'll we'll see yeah it's kind of incredible that um that those planes of development those zero to six and six to twelve um and Mm -hmm. twelve to eighteen eighteen to twenty four we we see like when we're in school, we see similar aged as peers. So right. all the all the fifth graders or all the eighth graders or whatever it is. But as children, they kind of see that same plane as their peers. And right. there are big differences. Like if you are pre-walking or if you're pre-talking, that's a mm-hmm. that's a group of peers. But once they get to be kind of those like three to six, those are all my friends until they yeah. they start to make that transition. And so right. uh, they can uh, identify with these babies and they can help these babies. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really interesting because the older ones, um, they'll, they'll come, uh, you know, we have a section set out for the, the babies. And um, I've never gave a formal grace and courtesy presentation on how to interact with the babies or anything like that and you know quite often I'll just turn around and see uh you know see two or three of the older ones just sitting quietly around um the babies and you know um they might ask me a question uh one asked me one day why is he not talking yet is it because he has no teeth you know <laughs> um, you know um, we've got a little girl who's been with me since she was four months old she's now two and a half and you know she'll she'll broach gently and like you know touch one of the baby's faces and then she'll quickly pull back, you know, because, and, you know, she's in observer mode, like, mm-hmm. okay, what'll happen if I, I just gently touch the baby and let the baby know that I'm here, but then I'll pull back and continue observing. And it's, it's been a, um, it's been quite educational seeing how they how older children react um, around babies. They're a lot more gentle than I would have given them credit for, and more understanding of the needs of babies than I would have given them credit for. Yeah, it's funny, even, even as. Montessori trained or uh, adults who have taken these steps to become 
more observant of uh, these different ways of approaching childhood, even right. still there are surprises all the time. And I find this work to be really humbling. Um, yeah, yeah. Staying present to it. It's like, oh yeah, that's just my bias. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And some of those biases will come from, you know, our training or our own experiences and stuff. But I shared on social media, um, I was giving a, um, uh, I was working with uh, two or three of the preschoolers, the three to six group on um, the sound games. And the toddlers just came and crashed the course. Because, you know, toddlers, they just love those little tiny objects Mm -hmm. (laughs) and stuff. And so they sat around all politely. And then before I knew it, they were jumping in and, you know, which, um, which object starts with the t sound. And, you know, here's a child barely verbal, like turtle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, seriously? Are you kidding me? Like, you can barely talk. You're 19 months. You know, this is, this is crazy. How are you doing this so well? Um, and, you know, that came from that bias like I didn't think that they it didn't occur to me to even experiment with how young can you go with the sound games with these um, with the little ones Uh, and I think that's an important element of of our um, of our practice Um, you know always staying open-minded and um, being willing to experiment and you know challenge the status quo a little bit you might be surprised (laughs) definitely definitely Uh, so um Speaking of surprise, since your school is in your home, um, have you seen aspects of your life grow more into Montessori, either intentionally or like surprising yourself that you're creating a prepared environment for yourself or anything like that? Ooh, you know, I would say no. Um, yeah, I would say no, because so much of my space is actually dedicated to the children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, for example, uh, the space I'm in now is about 1,300 square feet. It's a um, three-bedroom. And, you know, I only have my bedroom itself to myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually about to give away part of that to the kids yeah. as well. And so, if anything, um, it's... Uh, just for me, because, you know, I'm single, no kids. Um, uh, it was only towards the end of last year that I realized I've, it's actually been kind of detrimental to me because I haven't put as much into my, to building a stable life for myself. I put it all into um, the environment. And um, I took, um, I had to take a month off for sabbatical because I was quite um, sick and uh, disoriented <laughs> um, end of um End of just end of J. Um, I'm sorry. End of November, early December, and um, so I was on this retreat, and it. Uh, I was wondering why is it so easy for me to pull my thoughts together in this place and not at home, and then I realized I hadn't prepared my own environment. I hadn't prepared an adult environment for myself. So this year, I'm being a lot more intentional about it, even though I do, for the sake of uh, my program, need to you know even give away portions of my room <laughs> to the school. Um, I, I, I'm being much more mindful of what do I need, um, for myself to feel somewhat, um, settled, um, and, you know, have a a space that I can, uh, retreat to. Um, so yeah, I guess that's a long answer to say no. (laughs) Wonderful. And I think, um, we're, we're so often asked and, and we provide support for, um, how, 
families can do things at home to to give their children independence and to make things accessible right. for children. Um, but having that, uh, making something accessible um, or special just for us is important too. Um, yeah. That, that non-Montessori place lies when it's when it's neither or. Then there's not a, a special place set aside for me, and there's not a special place set aside for you, and it it doesn't really serve any of us. Right, right. It's, ideal. it's it's adult by default, but I don't love how it works, and it doesn't work for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I kind of see that. Um, definitely being played out here um, because as, as I've gotten more intentional, things are falling into place. I've um, had to reorganize um, the classrooms where the the primary toddler space was has now been switched with um, with the preschoolers and it's flowing a whole lot better. But that came from a recognition of, oh, yeah, Zoe, you, you know, you need a real bed. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the mattress on the floor is not working. Um, uh, Zoe, where are you going to store your books? Uh, you know, you can't just have them in a closet. Why don't you get a, book, a couple of bookshelves and really put them in place um, and stop pretending like, uh, you know, uh, what you need to to function isn't um, important. But from that is, is coming a more logical setup that's serving the children a lot better, too. Wonderful. And so uh, when, when you have uh, parents asking you for, for support, a trend that um, we're seeing um, that's, that's really, really wonderful, and I hope it's not going anywhere, is um, this move toward uh, heightened awareness of self-care. Um, yeah. and in line with care of self in the classroom for the children of not having to have somebody wipe your nose really forcefully, you have mm-hmm. the to do it yourself, um, is taking care of yourself. I've also heard it as um, filling your own cup or putting on your own oxygen right. mask or anything like that. Is that something that you recommend um, to families and to caregivers who are needing yeah yeah cautiously though um because the um i guess it's a double-edged sword right because sometimes what the self-care to make that self-care possible um requires more resources than what that particular family might have available in that moment Mm -hmm. um and so before i have that discussion um I have to prepare myself that I might need to step in to help. Um, And so, for example, I've had um, uh, a few families um, move uh, into new homes. And, um, you know, I, you know, we always have that discussion of, oh, you know, um, you know, it's a a new home. This is a great time to really uh, set up new boundaries, new limits for your child. Um, You know, whatever issues you were having in this place, uh, let's do our best to make sure you don't take them with you to um, to the next place, uh, things like that. Um, have you thought about, you know, organizing the, the living room in this way and the bathroom that way and having these things accessible to your child and to yourself? Um, but I guess I hesitate to offer the, that kind of advice without being willing to help them do that. And so in my case, that has meant um, um, in those cases, I've actually had to um, offer to babysit their child so that they could do that, you know. Um, and, you know, I, 
you know, you'll get a tired parent and it's just clear that all they need is like a couple hours of sleep. (laughs) And um, so, you know, I'll sit there with my teachers and say, you know, this particular, um, you know, family, uh, they need a break. Um, We need to figure out a day, um, you know, a weekend where we don't mind (laughs) watching this child for, you know, a few hours or overnight so this family can, um, you know, kind of uh, recongeal. Um, And that's why I say I have a great team. Um, We've been really good about being able to help parents that way. I think it's not um, as helpful to, I know I certainly get annoyed when, you know, people tell me, take care of yourself, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't because I don't have help to take care of myself. Like, it's obvious. But if you're not going to support me in this, stop reminding me. You're just making me feel bad, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's kind of one of those, um, I, I blame it on the, the show Parks and Rec, that treat yourself <sighs> mentality. It's like, but sometimes the self-care is to, you know, not indulge that momentary need and instead exactly. time to breathe or... Sometimes the self-care is not buying the ice cream. (laughs) Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. Agreed. Wonderful. So what would be, um, what what do you think is some of the greatest gifts of Montessori, either that you've experienced in your own life or that made you feel so inspired that you chose to, to dedicate so much of your time and energy to sharing this with children and families? Um... I think the we talked a bit a little bit about before, but the the um, learning to embrace what previously I would have considered failures, um, or you know, basically the the end of my world. <laughs> a little um, dramatic about things not going, um, not performing as well as I I, I feel I, I could have or or um, should have. Um, you know, I come from a perfectionist culture. Um, I don't know if you've heard jokes about Nigerian families and Nigerian parents, but um, that is definitely <laughs> how I grew up. Um, yeah, they were where, all you know, written about your family. Exactly. Basically, you know, uh, you know, getting ninety-eight percent was just not good enough. What happened to the two percent? You know, <laughs> that kind of a thing. Um, and with Montessori, being able to. Um, I don't know, it was just such, the training was so transformative for me because I stopped seeing things in terms of what I'm good at and what I'm bad at, but rather what am I willing to try and what am I not willing to try, you know? And so I no longer looked at it, you know, things like, um, even if I, I start off initially that way, eventually I'm able to have a conversation with me myself, you know? Well, Zoe, why don't you want to start, um, why are you saying that you can't start a school on your own? Uh, what are you willing to try at this at this point? And realizing that it's not that you know you know the you know the the answers in one sense were there. I don't have a business background. You know how am I going to recruit parents? Who's going to trust me with their kids? I don't have a whole big school behind me. Where are the finances going to come from? But then when you sit down and have that conversation with yourself about what are you willing to try? Um, what are you willing to to keep doing um, until you're good at it? you know, if things don't go well, which they won't eventually, you know, that that's life is not perfect. Um, do you think you can pick yourself up again and try again? Um, what are your worst case scenarios? What are your best case scenarios? Um, and I feel like that was something that I got um, specifically through the, the Montessori training. You know, I said before that, um, uh, 
you know, the, the reason why I opened up a, a school in the first place was because I wasn't getting the type of experience um, that I wanted working at um, at other schools. And uh, again, through just um, that transformative experience that I had through training, at one point being able to sit down with myself and say, all right, Zoe, this is not working. What elements are actually you um, that you need to change about yourself? And what is it that's actually really coming from outside? What is really the issue that you're having at these different schools? Um, and the, the answers were quite revelatory, you know, for me. But um, some things that I thought I was actually good at, I had to admit that, no, I'm not that great at that. I, I need to work on that particular aspect of my personality and how I react in certain types of situations, et cetera. Um, but it was equal, equally revelatory, um, things that um, finding out that I, part of my issues were the things that I didn't want to compromise on and that how that wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't me being intractable or, you know, rude or anything that, um, you know, I, I definitely had my own um, vision and um, I really wanted to see that through and find a place where I, I could, uh, I could do that. And so Montessori really gave, gave that to me. I don't think I would have gotten it um gotten these type of life lessons otherwise um yeah makes you more adventurous in a certain way and not afraid to revisit things um that you know maybe offhandedly someone discouraged you from you know um i was never an artist so I, i'm definitely a a right-brained mathematics <laughs> type person um but i always had like this interest in fashion and you know creative things but you know, never did anything because I can't draw. Um, but yeah, I, I remember a, uh, a point a few years back where I was like, you know, I'm still interested in this. I don't know why. So let me go and take a few classes. And who would have thought drawing is not necessarily just about talent. You can actually learn to draw. There are classes that teach you how to draw, you know, um, but you have to be able to have those hard conversations with yourself and um, in a non-judgmental way. Um, and also learn to, to, to be that way towards yeah. others um, and to give others that kind of um, uh, space um, to dis discover themselves, even if it's through the hard route of butting their heads with people and <laughs> making mistakes and saying things they shouldn't say, even if it's to you, but to, to handle that with a, a certain level of grace that um, eventually they yeah, will find absolutely. their way. absolutely. That's sort of, I'm not good at this yet, which... Um, we, we're so right. good at telling the children. Um, you know, if you see a child mm -hmm. who's frustrated with buttoning, uh, they don't they don't give up. Yeah. They might be frustrated, but uh, we say like, just, you just have to practice. It'll be okay. Nothing bad is gonna happen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we tell them all the time. You can do hard things. I tell you know, it's 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 a motto in the classroom. You hear kids, you know, I'll be you know. Uh, at a point like, okay, you look really frustrated. Let me help you out there. No, I can do hard things. I can do hard things, <laughs> you know? Um, and giving ourselves as adults the same space to say, you know what? I can do hard things too. Even if I'm crying and I'm frustrated and upset, I can yeah. do hard things. Yeah, that space yeah. to learn and, and to not label yourself with anything unkind. We are so good at that with children, right. but we still have a ways to go to teaching that to ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Wonderful. So where can people find you online? 
Okay, so um, I guess I'm kind of all over. I'm on Pinterest, I think, is Zoe Paul. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm mainly on Instagram because uh, it's uh, it's a nice format. They make it really hard for people to, you know, get away with, uh, you know, being yeah. trolls. <laughs> because your comments get buried and stuff like that. So that's where you'll mainly find me. Um, so I've got two handles. Uh, one is Sage Montessori SF. That's my in-home program. But, uh, you know, uh, it's definitely me. And then there's Studio Montessori SF. That's the um, new school. Um, both of those will give you glimmers into my world and my um, personality and where I am at any given time. Um, and then, of course, I'm on Facebook as well, just not as frequently, just because it's getting to be more and more hostile, I feel, and anxiety-inducing. Um, and again, the subject Wonderful, is wonderful. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing your story with us. And you did a spotlight interview with us. We'll link to that in the blog post that will accompany this podcast um, on the blog. So the podcast post will be interview with Zoe Paul, and then we'll link to your um, spotlight interview. And we'll be able to to check in and see what it was like for Zoe back in the olden days and, and what you've spoken about today. So thank you so much for chatting with us. Bye. A huge and heartfelt thanks to Zoe for sharing her story and her insights in this beautiful interview. And congratulations on opening your new space. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bondec and email us with comments, questions, and suggestions at hello at bondec.org. Until next time.